Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hostile Road Trip Podcast, the podcast that literally takes its show on the road. Listen in as James Black and Bobby Dyer, owners of International Traveler's House Hostels, travel around the country to learn about these great locations and incredible people that come together to provide a unique and exciting experience for travelers from all over the world. Welcome back to Hostel Road Trip Season 3, final episode. We are in the presence of what I would call a Jedi Knight of the hostel industry, Tom Denard. Dinnard, sorry. <laughs> Dinnard at the Hostel in the Forest outside of Brunswick, Georgia. And we are so happy to be here. We had the opportunity to stay here last night. The sounds of the rain and the sounds of the forest. It was just beautiful. But we want to talk a bit about your personal journey as it is an inspiration to so many of us, uh, including my business partner, Robert Dyer. This was the first hostel he ever stayed at. And uh, Vicky from the Not So Hostel, who runs the American Hostel Conference, her inspiration as well. So I've been waiting to come here for years, and I have to say it lives up to everything that people tell you about it. Just really a special and magical place. But Tom, tell us a bit about how in the 1970s, you got yourself into this hostile business. <laughs> it's funny that you call it hostile business. Right, that didn't even <laughs> sound right, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, graduating from college, and, mm. and it, the thing to do was to uh, throw on your backpack and take a trip to Europe. Mm. And in and, and, and doing that, uh, you bought a Eurail Pass, mm. which uh, put you on a train. You could go anywhere you wanted to go in Europe, get on and off, you know. And uh, and you had everybody would buy this book. It was called Frommer's Book: Europe on Five Dollars a Day. Yes, this yeah. was in the seventies. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you could actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so out on the train and talking with people my age, and they were all staying in hostels, and I, I'd never heard of a hostel, so mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. But anyway, uh, I, 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 when I started staying in hostels, I was totally enamored with the hostel idea and with you know young people getting together, and you could learn so many really good travel stories uh, from them, places they had been that didn't appear in my $5 a day book. And uh, so anyway, when I came home, I guess I was not only enthused, but obsessed yeah. <laughs> with the idea to have, a, <laughs> to, to have my own hostel. <laughs> That's great. And uh, so I had one huge impediment, however. I didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> so that really presented a problem. Yeah. I had the gigantic idea, but no money to back it up. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> I started driving all around looking for a place to put this hostel. And uh, I was driving down Highway 82 out here, and there was a big sign on property, 75 acres for sale. Wow. And I thought, oh, man, I love that. I love the idea of the forest there. And and we can have trails and all, and, and uh, but you know I can't even afford one acre, much less <laughs> 75. But I knew the guy who was a realtor who was selling it, and he said when I called him, he said, 
yes, absolutely, you can buy this because this guy will finance it 100%. Oh, great. And, and he will take annual payments. Okay. So you don't have to pay any money down. And then in a year, when you have to make your first annual payment, you can just sell off some property because you don't need that much. I said, yeah, Sounds like a good plan. I like that yeah. idea. Yeah. <laughs> so before I knew it, I had 75 acres <laughs> and didn't hadn't put any money down. <laughs> <laughs> Things are moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so, so I, okay, where am I going to put my hostel on this 75 acres? So th literally, this was a... Georgia swamp, swamp yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of ponds and water and palmettas, uh, a lot of oak trees, pine trees, uh, uh, cypress trees. And anyway, <clears throat> scouring the whole 75 acres, I could not find a place that was suitable. For the home base. Yeah, yeah. And, and so... One day I was walking in the back of the property, and as I was walking along the property line, I looked over and saw a spot that seemed sort of enchanting. It had a lot of oak trees around with moss hanging down from the oak trees, and it just looked like, hmm, I wonder what that is. So I went over and sat down by this oak tree, and I meditated, and when I did, it was like, Absolutely. I don't know what this place is, but it's very spiritual. It is a place where this hostel needs to be, but it was not on my 75 acres. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go find out who owned this magical place. Yeah. So I went to the tax office and found this old, uh, crusty old farmer down the road. And so I was going to have to go and convince him to sell me his 15 acres. And this is Mr., right? Mr. Yeah, that was named his, after his the His nickname yeah. was Mr. <laughs> and so I went there, and my hair was down to my shoulders, and he did not like long-haired hippies. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, we got along pretty well. And, and, and long and short is, he agreed to do the same thing. He would uh -huh. allow me to buy his 15 acres, make annual payments, and uh, no money down. So I had 90 acres yeah, 90. <laughs> and hadn't paid anything down. <laughs> Ooh, this is some dealing and wheeling here. I know. Yeah, yeah. So, so the next thing is, of course, I know nothing about architecture, So, but I do have a, a, a neighbor who is an architect, and when he heard about what I was doing, he brought over pictures of a geodesic dome and showed it to me. Nice. And like I was saying earlier, yeah. uh, Buckminster Fuller had actually spoken uh, to an audience on St. Simon's where I live, and I went to hear him. And 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 when I, you know, looking at the pictures of of geodesic domes, I knew immediately that's what it has to be because it just looks like it grew up out of the ground like a mushroom. Yes. Yes. So. Anyway, uh, I did have to go to the bank then. <laughs> yeah, first stop to the yeah, bank. And, and uh, get some money to buy these domes. But uh, we found a, a company up in New Jersey mm -hmm. and uh, that, that sold geodesic domes. <clears throat> and they had two uh, demonstration domes that they had erected on the property. So uh, when I was telling them what I wanted to do with, uh, with the hostel, 
they were really enthused about that, and mm. they said they would disassemble those domes and, and bring them down here and, uh, and send somebody who would uh, instruct us about how to put them up. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. So uh, we, this weekend was the la is the last week of January 2019, right? Uh-huh, yes. This guy uh, came down with these uh, parts of the dome on the last weekend of January of 1975. Look at that, all right. So, so this weekend was the 44th anniversary of us erecting the dome. That's awesome. <laughs> oh. So uh, anyway, we had a, a one dome that was bigger than the other. One was 30 feet in diameter. The other one, wait a minute, one was 39 feet in diameter and the other Good. one was 30 feet in diameter. And uh, so, uh, we, I got a bunch of my friends out. We got some beers and I uh, had a lot of food yeah. and music, of course. Yeah. And it was like the old-fashioned barn racing. Yeah. Everybody's singing and laughing and having a good time. And this guy's telling us how to put these things up. And So anyway, we put the, the big dome up in one day, in eight hours. Wow. And then the second day, we put the little dome up in four hours. Ooh, get better. So... All of a sudden, I had two geodesic domes. All right. And uh, anyway, so we had taken the big dome and divided it into little rooms so that you could have little private rooms around the perimeter. Okay. But the interior would be open and we'd have bunk beds there for, mm -hmm. for groups. So anyway, we had, you know, the kitchen, the office. We had a toilet facility out back and the bedrooms. But how do you get people to come to your hostel? That was, yeah. And what is this hostel organization back then you joined? It was called the American Youth Hostel Association. Doesn't it exist Doesn't, anymore? No. Okay. And so, uh, but it was a, a, a year or two before they would put you in print. Would put us in. And the reason is the closest hostel to this was Washington, D.C. Oh, you, my Lord. So no hostels in the South. First hostel south of the Mason-Dixon line. Exactly. Wow. Exactly right. Good for you. So uh, anyway, the uh, people, <laughs> we didn't have anybody to come to my hostel. <laughs> it's like a friend of mine said, you gave a hostel and no one came. <laughs> and <laughs> if you build it, they will not come. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it was... Uh, <coughs> Discouraging to yeah. say the least. Uh, so my means of marketing, of course, this is long before internet, mm -hmm. computers, and so forth. So my means of marketing was to get in my pickup truck and go out on Highway 17, which was the main highway from New York to to Miami. I-95 had not been built at that time, and so I was drive up and down looking for a cyclist. And if I saw a cyclist, I would pull up in front of him and say, look, hey, I've got a hostel. I want you to go to this hostel. You don't even have to pay. I just, I'll put your bike in the back of my pickup and take you out. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, that's direct marketing if I've ever seen it. Right? you got to pull him off on that. So, <laughs> so anyway, our first hosteler was from Brunswick, Maine. Oh. And he was cycling to Key West. 
And so I had grabbed him, nabbed him, whatever, <laughs> and brought him out here. And we have a picture of him. And I a, saw it in the book. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool that yeah. you snapped that shot of him. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, anyway, it, it <laughs> for the first few years, it was uh, you'd go for days and days and days without any guests. Yeah. But uh, then eventually, the, the, with, with the American Youth Hostel Guidebook, uh, a lot of people came, but they were all, I don't mean but, and they were from other countries. And so we had a lot of Europeans, uh, uh, a lot of Australians, South Americans. And, uh, and if you look at our picture board, which has a picture of every manager from the beginning till now, all of the first ones for about the first 15 years were from other countries. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was a good time at the hostel because we'd uh, have dinner at night and I'd sit around talking to all of these people who were touring America for the first time and listening to all of their complaints about America, all of which were true, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I, I, I loved that time. And then in the 90s, the Americans learned about it. Yes. And that was good and bad. Mm-hmm. The good was they came in droves. Uh-huh. So the money situation seemed to get better. Correct itself, yeah. And, uh, but they came for the reason of looking for a good place back in the woods where nobody could see them and they could party and have a blast, you know. Yeah. And so that went on for a while. And while we were making money and able to pay this mortgage off, I I realized, you know, that time that I came out here and sat down by that oak tree, this is a spiritual place, you know. If you want to party, we got Daytona Beach, Myrtle Beach, you know, all all there are plenty of places Mm -hmm. to party. And while I'm not against partying, yeah, uh, I I just felt like this place needs to be different. It's not supposed to be the identity of it. Yeah. yeah. So toward the latter part of the '90s, we we changed things around, and uh, and and made this place uh, 501c3 and as an educational place to teach uh, the guest about. Uh, the environment and, and sustainability, uh, conservative yeah. uh, conservation, yeah, and uh, so so w- we have evolved from there to where we are now, where of course we get our problem definitely is not advertising or I mean we have we have over seventeen thousand people on Facebook, wow, yeah, so we we get a lot of people here, and and uh, but. In my opinion, they're coming for the reason that I want them to come here. It's back on course. Yes. Yes. So I, the thing I hear, which to me is full payback, is when people will come up and tell me, you know, this place has changed my life. And when I hear that, I know I've done something yes. right. Yeah, yeah. But let me say this, is if you ever want to do anything different like I did, Number one, you have to be crazy. Yeah, a little crazy. Yeah, <laughs> got a little crazy. No, no sane person would do what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, every person, all my friends, my family, you are the craziest. That's the biggest fool thing I've ever heard of. 
you know what? You will never make a penny out of that. And you know what? They were right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I have never made a penny. Okay. Yeah. You but put it all right back into it. I cannot think of anything that I could have done with my life that it would have been uh, more rewarding. Yes. Because the people who come here are just really good people. They're people that I want to be my friends forever. Yeah. And, uh, and we just have uh, very good managers, uh, good staff, uh, and just a good atmosphere. Great energy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like uh, every person who comes here gets a big hug. Yes. You don't Handshakes get you don't, not there. You don't yeah. get that at Holiday Inn. No, no, no. You'd get <laughs> a hashtag Me Too problem, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, some people, you know, they're a little bit skittish about being hugged, but yeah. but you know, it, it's a a welcoming place, and we have a sign out in the parking lot that says "Welcome Home." Yeah, and uh, and it does feel like that. it does. Yeah. It really does. It's and a very so, peaceful place. Yeah, so I'm very very happy about what we've done and the evolution of it. Yes, yes absolutely. And evolution means. Three steps forward, two steps backwards. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that's the way true. it works. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, we've had our problems here and there, but overall, in 44 years, mm. we definitely have evolved to where I want this place, what I want this place to be. And I think that's really interesting how you talk about how, in a, even in our short time of being open for six years at ITH, we experienced a bit of the same thing where we started because we felt it was spreading peace through knowledge of culture and this beautiful thing. And then sometimes the party can hijack that mission and yeah. movement and it can become blurred. And yeah. then you can find out that, uh, you know, your baby is different than what you thought it was going to grow up as. Exactly. And I think it's important to know that you can always get that back on track. If yeah. you step in, it's never too late. And yeah. then you can mm -hmm. get it back on the right yeah. course yeah. and you clearly have. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. We're taking a moment now to talk about a great service called worldpackers.com. Worldpackers.com is actually how I got my start with the Hostel Road Trip Podcast. Worldpackers is a great service that connects travelers looking for a place to stay in a new city with the hostels who need their skills. You could do anything from house cleaning to reception to media and marketing and so much more. With a reasonable fee of $50 a year and a little bit of courage, you could find yourself anywhere in the world. For more information, just go find Grandpa Carlos surfing on the West Coast somewhere between California and Mexico. If you're having trouble finding him this way, he might be taking a siesta on his surfboard. If that's the case, scream to the heavens, Grandpa Carlos, we need you, and he'll be sure to answer the call. But if all else fails, just check out worldpackers.com. That's W-O-R-L-D-P-A-C-K-E-R-S.com. And now we bring you back to your regularly scheduled program. Now, from the time of the original two structures, how many other structures have we built out over the years? Well, we've built uh, tree houses, and, and our guests mainly stay in tree houses. Where did you stay? Like? We were in a tree house, weren't we? Do you know the name of it? Peacock mustard, or the mustard? Oh, you and Peacock. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have, uh, of course, all the tree houses have names, and yeah. uh, they're all different. And uh, But uh, people love staying in tree houses. Yeah. You, know, you feel like a kid again. It brings back your old yes. boyhood and girlhood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was so much fun. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's very popular. And, and we've built, uh, we have eight 
I think, well, no, we got a new one, nine, I think, tree houses. And then uh, our staff, we have uh, six cabins for them to stay mm-hmm. and the manager. And, uh, but we try, it's very difficult to, uh, for us to, to get off of electricity. I, I really wish we could, but we don't have any sunlight back here because the trees, we've got all trees and yeah. all forest. Yeah. And all of these trees are my friends. Yeah, you don't want to lose <laughs> and that. And I do yeah. not yeah. want to kill my friends. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we do have electricity. I'd love to be off the grid, but yeah. we're, we're not. And... Uh, but, but basically, we, we try to teach environmentalism. And, and the way we do that, really, is by the way we operate this place. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, everything's recycled, of course. We have composting toilets. Mm-hmm. Uh, we compost all uh, food scraps, everything. And incidentally, the shower back in the staff village is uh, heated by... A decaying compost because it creates some heat. Yeah, it yes. creates yeah, heat. yeah. And, oh, that's uh, awesome. So I mean, we're doing a lot of things that that we can teach our guests by them seeing what we do. Yeah. And somehow that is a better teacher than lecturing. Very much so. Yeah. I would agree. Just yeah. sit, we have you know organic gardens. Yeah. Uh, for them to see it and then to be able to practice yeah, with it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. Now, what about the swimming hole? And then there's also a fishing pond, right? Well, yes. And then there was a big mouth bass that was thrown in from one to the other back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I like that story. <laughs> that, that is a good story. <laughs> so how, you dug out your own pond and swimming hole, right? That it, we did. Mm-hmm. And that was that's the pond directly in front of the domes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a couple of years later, we, we had a swimming pool that we dug and uh, cemented it in oh. and, and had a pool. And I don't know if you noticed when you got here last night, it was a lighted area uh, right before you get to the domes. Yeah. The swimming pool was there. And if you notice, is a pole with a rope swing. Oh. And that's where we used to swing into the pool. Nice. <laughs> but uh, we have a lake out back. Okay. And all everybody who comes here loves the lake, and yeah. they all want to swim in the lake. Yeah. And uh, they uh, they say the water in the pool is too cold, which it is. Our well is 750 feet deep, wow. so it brings up some pretty cold water from the aquifer. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, we had a swimming pool, and uh, we have the, the fish pond, and then the lake behind. Which is very, very popular. Yeah. We have a sweat lodge back there, and every full moon we do sweat lodges. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. This is a good place. Oh, it is. That's a place I love to come. Yeah. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting with your staff and your guest structure is as a a person who's uh, in the hosteling myself and on both sides of it, I love to go and stay at places, and I love to see people come stay with us. You would instantly think, you'd never want to leave here. The what? You would never want to leave here. And I, know. I And then, I know. That, is that the reasoning and the genesis behind the staff being at a three-month max? Yes, exactly. So that you'd have some fresh energy? Because, I mean, what, by turning it over, the staff every three months, the manager every six months, yeah. you get fresh energy coming in. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you do this 24-7, it's 
you know, it's it's a tough job. It's tough to keep those and, energy and, levels and up. And to keep that energy up, mm-hmm. uh, we we have that turnover, and it and it really works. Yeah. Yeah. Is it tough sometimes though when you have someone that's so passionate Listen, about the place? Listen, I just we just this week. Yeah. This guy came up to me with tears in his eyes, <sighs> saying, "I'm leaving the hostel." And I said, "Why are you leaving?" He said, "My three months are up." I said. No, I don't want you to leave. Oh. You're such a great worker, and we love you so much. And he said, well, you know, my time's up, so I'll come back and visit. But anyway, we d- that happens. They and respect it. You respect yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they're always welcome to come back as guests. Oh, yeah. As we just met a former manager on the trails. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then also from the booking standpoint, uh, as you, you know, you're – You've got this interesting membership program, but you can't book out more than a month in advance. Tell us a bit more about how this works out. How's the? Well, of course, you, we have you have to make reservations to come here because yeah. uh, I mean, especially on weekends, we fill up. Yeah. And uh, and um, I, I I'm not sure that I, I um, know how to answer that. Uh, it, it ask me that question. So again. with the, with the the system you have with. Yeah. Is it true that they can't make a reservation more than a month in advance? Yeah, well, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not sure that I can answer that. Okay, okay. <laughs> that, we, okay, that leads into something I haven't mentioned. Okay. We have a board of directors okay. who operate and make all the rules for the hostel. All right. We have 12 people oh, on our board. All right. And, uh, and, and everyone except me has been a manager of the hostel. Oh, so they they have know. a past manager. Right, okay, yeah. that's cool. And not one person is paid anything. They just do it on their own. Uh, the board, the staff, we do give the manager just a slight gratuity, mm-hmm. but uh, people volunteer to to do this, and and uh, and you know, to me, that is the secret to the success of this hostel. Oh. There's so many hostels. In fact, the great majority of the hostels are for profit. Yeah, and and it makes a difference because but the fact that we are nonprofit, the staff is willing to contribute uh, not only good work but their talents. We have so many artists that come here and paint these wonderful paintings for the tree houses, and and they're willing to do that knowing that nobody is making any money out of this, yeah, not anybody. Yeah. The board meets at the truck stop, yeah. and we all pay for our meal. Oh, <laughs> so, I love it, I love it. So anyway, I think that that is one of the secrets to this hostile success. I would definitely say so. You can definitely feel it in everyone's focus and energy and intention. Yeah. A lot of times when you start to mix money in, it ruins things. It does. Yeah, Well, yeah. more money, know, and more And I problems. can understand, because yeah. I get so many people who call me or come here and want to know they want to start their own hostel. Yes. And I always encourage everybody. Yes, definitely. We need to have more hostels. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what would you have for some advice for those new? Because well, we made I a mean, lot I of them at the conference last week. Absolutely encourage them to do it. But but none of them are as crazy as I was. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and they have to make a living. Thanks again for listening to the Hostel Road Trip Podcast with us. We want to take a second to talk about one of our sponsors that keeps the road trip alive. That is the International Traveler's House Hostels, located in San Diego at three locations, Big Bear Lake and Newport, Rhode Island. International Traveler's House provides a unique experience at each one of their locations with great staff, 
great food, and tons of connections to the local community so that you can have a great time vacationing, traveling through, or staying for a while. If you want more information on ITH, check out ithhostels.com to check out videos, pictures, blogs, and direct booking to our locations. Thank you again for listening. We hope you enjoy the conclusion of this episode. Now, on the side of you doing this project, not only are you a lawyer, which is an amazing fact that I found out just by staying here, you're also an author. Have the books been inspired by your time here? Is that a big part of your material that you gained? Well, uh, I taught a hiking class at our local college here for 20 years. Okay. Took, took the students on the Appalachian Trail and many different places out west and in other countries as well. And uh, so uh, my wife owned a travel agency, oh. and that made it very nice because I could travel and did travel a lot. And, of course, we traveled together a lot, uh-huh. but when she goes on a cruise, which I refuse to do, <laughs> I go to the mountains and go hiking. <laughs> So, so, so many of the books that I've written are travel books, are books about my experiences in traveling. That's awesome. Which you can find inside of your uh, common room there as you check in. Yeah. You can see mm-hmm. all your books yeah. there. Right. But one cool thing I want to bring up for other hostel operators out there, and something that I'm going to take as an insight from you, is that awesome book that you have typed out on a typewriter and inside of a wooden casing, uh, The Story of Your Hostel and how you came up with the idea and the early struggles and then some fascinating stories ranging from Bob Seger's roadies coming in to having the psychic come in and, you know, further instill that this is a very special place. I think that's really important for listeners out there and hostel operators that as your operation evolves and you might not be there as much, it's important for the guests and the staff to know how you got started, why you got started, and what the purpose of us being here is. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people can hijack that yeah. when you're not here, and they yeah. can uh, re- redirect the energy mm-hmm. in the wrong exactly. way. Yeah. So I think that was a great thing that you did there. Incidentally, that story that I wrote, Why a Hostel, yeah. is incorporated in my first book, so ah. the first book that I published. So that story is also... In, in one of my published books. Outstanding, yeah. yeah. But it just yeah. uh, a, but a we great just, way. We just had a meeting of the board this weekend, mm. and, and our discussion was this hostel 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Perfect, and, that's how I wanted to close yeah, the discussion here. How, where are we going? How we want this place to remain the same. Mm-hmm. That it would kill this place it, to make it grow or to build more tree houses and yeah. to bring more people in. Yeah. That's the beauty of this place so the, is, is it's relatively small so that we, we uh, would like to have uh, accommodations of maybe 20 people during the week and 30 people on the weekends, but they stretch it a lot because we have these, these great programs on weekends, and so they will... Uh, accommodate 40 but we don't, we don't want any more than that in fact that's too many because mm-hmm. it, it it loses some intimacy it loses because, the intimacy right, because yeah. that that's one of the beauties of this place is interaction with, knows the, each with other's the guests names. And, yeah. and, and getting to know each other and sharing stories and we talked about that at vicky's conference last week in how there's a sweet spot in hostels in 25 to 50 but no more than 50 because 
once you get above 50, you start to lose the intimacy. It's much more difficult to control the energy yeah, and the true. mission and the flow. Yeah. And I think, uh, myself included, a lot of times when you get started in this, you can get bad advice from bankers and accountants and people that tell you, oh, you should expand and you should do this and you should double up here and should put more over there. And they can get, make you lose your special sauce. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're profit-oriented. Yes, yeah. And, uh, and this place is not profit-oriented. The only thing we want to do is make enough money to sustain us and to maintain the place. And keep it going into yeah. the future. Mm -hmm. Because, like I said, nobody gets any money yeah. from this place. Yeah, and you, and you can tell that the, the troubles of money have not intertwined into this place. That's it, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's kept its spirit free. It's the root of all evil. Yes, it is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, well, Tom, just thank you so much for taking the time to sit with us here today and share your story. And, and hopefully we can do justice in getting the word out there more about this place so that not only can people come experience it themselves, but then hopefully they can take it and put it into their experiences and put it to their new hostels yeah. and learn from a Jedi Knight, as I called you earlier. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much, Tom, and thank you so much, listeners, from the Hostel Road Trip podcast. We have successfully finished up season three. It was a wild time on the road, but we look forward to hitting the road again for season four, southwestern U.S., and continuing to highlight all these great, genuine, authentic hostels that are out there so you can have the experience before the experience is gone. Stay tuned for more. Thank you, thank you. Thank you all so right. much, Tom. That was awesome. Yeah. All right. Hey, thank you so much. It was really an honor to be here, man. Yeah. Well, it's an honor for me to have you here. Yeah. I appreciate it. And your staff that. is also loving and welcoming, and yeah. they were so nice to us last night. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Well, they do that to everybody. Yeah, you can tell. You, yeah. you were not treated no, any different no, we from were. everybody we else. We saw our others come in and get the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> and it was uh, uh, an absolute pleasure. Yeah. <laughs>